Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hello and welcome back to I'm Not Being Funny, but my name is Lena Norms and this is the podcast where we ask the questions you pretend you already knew the answers to or the ones you didn't think to ask. Did you like my new jingle? Did you? Well, it was done by the amazing Hell! Exclamation mark. She's an amazing musician, and I got to commission her to do that uh, because of your support on Patreon. Thank you to everybody who's part of the Gumption Club. It's my little creative space. I call it the unknown fifth house of Hogwarts. JK Rowling never bothered to report on. It's where all the creatives hang out. It's amazing. If you want to find out more about it, I'll leave some links below. Today on the show, we have Sarah Corbett. I met Sarah at a party about six, seven months ago and we hit it off straight away. She is an amazing activist. She runs workshops on gentle protest and she's just come out with a book called How to Be a Craftivist. We talk humility, clicktivism, how to be... How to stop shouting and really create change, how to avoid social impact burnout... And generally, I think we I think we covered the meaning of life. We definitely covered the meaning of life. I invited Sarah around to my cosy living room, put lots of cheese in the oven, wine and chocolate on the table, and this is what happened. To set the scene, guys, me and Sarah sitting in my living room. Um, can you describe the scene between us, please, Sarah, for us? <laughs> what objects are on the table? <laughs> we have an empty, melted camembert cheese. Mm-hmm. No crackers, but crumbs of crackers. The finest of the middle class. <laughs> we just had massive portions of pasta, and we've nearly finished a bottle of red wine. Should we give some ASMR chinks, chinks. to that? <laughs> and we haven't finished because mm. we're on some lint Lindor chocolates <laughs> that I got for free of someone. So we're um. There you go. Living up in style. If I'm not, you hear that change. (laughs) If I'm not as sharp and intelligent as I normally am, it's because of the amount of lard that I've eaten tonight. (laughs) I've I've charged you with carbs. (laughs) 
But we're both in stretchy outfits. Yeah, exactly. So it's fine. Yeah, exactly. I did something a bit school age and I like brainstormed some uh, some keywords that I associate with the word activism. Humor me for a second. I want to hear your thoughts on these, the following do we associations. Need, do we need a drum roll? Yeah. <laughs> Paulina's assumptions. <clears throat> okay, the words that I associate with activism. Vegan. Mm-hmm. Boycott. Shout. Anger. No. Ego. Moral. And binary. Do any of those evoke a particularly negative reaction? Because obviously they're things that I don't necessarily agree with, but they're things that in my head, like that's when I free flow, that's what I'm like. Oh yeah. Activism. No, that's my default. Mm -hmm. Is that when people say I'm an activist, I'm normally like, oh no, I'm scared. <laughs> oh my God, please no. I'm really because scared. you've been like um, an activism officer, or was it a sergeant? Yes. What is it? I had, I once you've had been a business with... card when I worked for Oxfam. <laughs> my business card officially said, and it was true, I was an activism manager. <laughs> you've been with the most active of the active. The only jobs I've had are in campaigning for mm-hmm. charities, and then I grew up in a low-income area where. I was squatting since the age of three and was involved in campaigning. Um, yeah, since yeah. I was in the womb, really. <laughs> All we did was go to community activism mm. groups and squat and campaign mm. to get better healthcare in the mm. 80s under a Thatcher government mm. and a corrupt council in Everton and Liverpool. So, so even though I'm scared of activists, and I totally agree to some extent with your list, and I am an activist... I still always think the worst. I'm always scared of that other activists, mm. which I always find really Because as well, I think there's something that you like really own your introversion. You're just like, I'm an introvert. But I only realised that a few years ago. Mm. And then I was like, this makes so much <laughs> sense. Introversion is where you get your energy. So I get my energy from being on my own a lot. Yeah. <laughs> no offence, love. It's all right, you can leave after this. I'll let you go. Or one-to-ones. Mm. Whereas my sister... So I'm quite an extreme introvert. My sister's quite an extreme extrovert. Mm. So she doesn't like being on her own and she gets, she drains energy when she's on her own, whereas she gains lots when she's Mm. with people. Shyness is different. Shyness is about feeling judged, feeling nervous. So sometimes introverts are shy, but sometimes they're not. Yeah. So sometimes I'm very anxious, but sometimes I'm not. And it's different things. And I think it's quite important that introvert and shyness is not seen as the same thing because they're very different as well like you talk in the book about how like maybe activism is built for extroverts and you how read the book. <laughs> i'm one of those people that interview <laughs> i can quote things from the book um yeah like uh, like how it's built for extroverts and oh, maybe yeah. then we're missing out on half of the people that we need in activism well a third to a half of the world's population are introverts so it's quite a significant loss to the accident community. It's not a tiny minority. <laughs> and if it was, we should still support them because yeah. we should support minorities. But it's a huge chunk. And people have got different skills. So I did a TEDx talk about activism needs introverts. And it wasn't saying we're better than extroverts mm. at all. But it was saying we've got different skills. So introverts are often much better at those one-to-one, quite intimate, quiet conversations. Mm. Which in activism we need just as much as big marches. Because if your friend says something racist, actually we should have the emotional intelligence to say, ooh, mm. do you realise what you've just said there? Or yeah. tell me where that's come from. Let's have a quiet discussion mm. about it. So we can sort of 
acknowledge it and address it. Yeah. And introverts are naturally better at quiet, intimate conversations, whereas extroverts are amazing at mobilising people mm. and they gain energy from mobilising people. So I was burning out as an activist because my job was to mobilise and I was good at mobilising, but I found it exhausting. Mm. So when I found out I was an introvert, it, it made me feel so much better because mm. I was like, I'm not a bad activist. <laughs> I just don't gain energy from mobilising people. Even if I'm good at it, I'm yeah, exhausted. Yeah, that's how I refill. But most people who go into activism love being with people, like loud spaces, like being part of groups. So I was like, why am I burning out and exhausted and why is everyone else fine? Am I a bad activist? It really, mm. yeah. Before I knew I was an introvert, I generally thought, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> you were like, I failed. Yeah. And at what point did you discover craft and that kind of thing? Were you always like quite crafty? Or was like, at what point did that? I painted and mm-hmm. drew. And being an introvert, like I was always on my own. In a, Not in a like, I had no friends, mm. but more in like, I, I chose to be on my own. Mm. I'm sure some people <laughs> That's the story we're going with anyway. <laughs> but I always, all these introverts I around. Basically the people that don't have friends. But I was traveling across the country, mobilizing people to be effective activists and training them up. And I was burning out. And I really, I think anyone that likes make and stuff or being creative. And you do, you do mm. little illustrations and I stuff. I my little frame. stop motion, you don't I? love a bit of stop motion. <laughs> I love your stop motion. <laughs> And you get itchy fingers, don't you, mm. when you haven't made something for a while? You're yeah. literally like, I want to make yeah. something. And I was emailing so much, and I was doing lots of training, and I just missed being creative. So I picked up a really ugly cross-stitch kit of this teddy bear, and I didn't like it, and I didn't know what I was going to do with it. But I knew that on a train I couldn't do watercolours, because mm. they'd be a bit messy. <laughs> Not allowed. <laughs> Not allowed. And I think for Peyton... Arriva trains won't have it. <laughs> but for me, Peyton, I needed to always be in a particular zone. So I picked up this cross-stitch kit, because I just wanted to make something. And I immediately noticed that it slowed me down, it calmed me down, it made me very aware of how tense I was, like my shoulders were tense, my breath was really shallow. I was basically a burnt-out activist and just mm. didn't want to acknowledge it. And then because craft is most... So when I talk about craftivism, I'm talking about handicraft, so not machine embroidery or ceramics or woodwork. It's like repetitive hand action, which is naturally very meditative, which is why lots of people like craft, Mm because you go into the flow and don't think about the mess in the world. Whereas as a weirdo, (laughs) I was like, how do I fix this world without burning out? And the comfort of the craft let me really engage with quite uncomfortable questions of in my job am I doing so much but is it effective or am I just doing lots and it makes me feel like I'm being effective when I'm not so the cult of busy but for for activists exactly and then I was joining lots of activist groups because I'd moved to London and I wasn't fitting into any because I don't like demonizing people Mm. or I don't ride a bike or I'm not vegan like some of your list (laughs) stuff and I was like shit I don't really fit into these groups but maybe I should fit into them but why are all these groups this type of person when I'm not that type of person? And I could really spend hours on the train because I was going up to Glasgow at the time, which was hours, and think about these uncomfortable questions, but without going into this downward spiral where you just want to bawl your eyes out mm-hmm. because you're making something at the same time. And making is very empowering because you're seeing that you're creating something. 
So there's a huge amount of neuroscientists and clinicians who talk about the how empowering and how mm. it helps with your well-being and your mental health to craft and to use your hands, to ask myself these uncomfortable questions. So I thought, hang on a minute, if I can reflect on these big issues about social change and where I'm useful and where I'm not using craft, maybe there isn't any other tools in the activism toolkit that were offering me that thing. It was sign this petition, go on this mm. march. There wasn't a time to slow down and think about the issues deeply. Mm. So I thought craft could help. And then and because it was nine years ago when craft was not cool, it's a little bit cool now. <laughs> Thanks, Catherine. It's not that cool, <laughs> if we're honest, but it's a little it's bit It's not gonna more. get you laid, but it's not gonna get you laid, but it's not as weird as nine years ago when you're cross stitching on a train and people were like what are you doing? That's a bit weird. Yeah. And I was like, oh, if I was cross-stitching a Gandhi quote, I could talk about inequality. Yeah, I could talk about like, this. Yeah. So I started cross-stitching little banners and putting them up in public. So from that one cross-stitch kit, I was like, one, it's good for slow activism, which mm-hmm. other activism wasn't offering. It was good at creating conversations with people in a safe space, which most activism is in a safe space for discussion because mm. it's a lot of shouting at each other or quite um transactional stuff rather than a two way yeah. conversation. So it get mm. it got me thinking and then over the years yeah. I've sort of honed my craft yeah. of craftivism. I think is there something um like I I think it's really interesting the way you try and like change things and do activism because you look a lot more at the empathy side of it, which I think maybe yeah. some people probably disagree with you on and they're like oh yeah you can't empathize with these people or yeah. like stop finding the humanity in them or like yeah. stop spending time on that they just need to do you know because i think it's hard because i think you know obviously a good tresemme meme <laughs> like <laughs> we've all been we've all been guilty of that because fucking Theresa may man yeah but, but like there, there is something to be said for that because you know i recently went to work for a right-wing paper mm-hmm. for a while and that's yes, really interesting for me it was a weird my gap year at the tory party as i call it and that's and how that was, i met you yes. and i was like how am i meeting this woman <laughs> we like i did not i did not realize she was mm. her wages were paid by you were like oh, people. i see but what was interesting about that was i i went into this company being like Here's, I'm playing with the big boys now. Here's where I meet all the evil people. Can't yeah. wait to finally meet the Wizard of Oz in person. Exactly. They're going to be so evil. And then you meet them and they're dads. And, and they're, they're nice like, people. And they wear weird sandals and they like crosswords. And they're not, you know, a lot of them and are. And they're really nice with their kids. Mm. So you can't say they're evil because yeah. they seem to be really nice. Yeah. And it's that thing of being like, okay, nuance. Yeah. It's not as cool. <laughs> it's kind of, you know... It's totally not cool. Mm, because like, the binary is one of the things I always yeah. think about. It's like, hi, we're us and they're them. Yeah. And Donald Trump has small hands and I fucking hate him. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know... It's, Which while... makes us feel better in mm. the short term. But long term, to say your campaign is based on someone's personality rather than their policy, is it discredits your whole campaign mm. because the other side just go... Well, it shouldn't have anything to do with the size of our hands. And the fact that they haven't got any other argument to stand on means that they don't really have mm. a strong argument. It's like, oh, crap. Same with when you get journalists who... I've been at loads of demos, and I still go to demos, where journalists swarm round, young, mostly boys, going, go on, throw a brick, throw a brick, go on. And they egg them Are you on. Serious? No, I'm genuinely... It's really upsetting. And you get... And all they want is a shot of a young person throwing a brick at a window. So the front page of the paper is how violent these people are. This is violent protest. Mm. And all it means is, because I 
know a lot of politician staff members and I work a lot with and I engage with a lot of politician staff and politicians because it's effective activism they go yeah as soon as someone does anything violent it means that we don't have to engage with them because we've got an excuse to say well we can't engage with those people because they don't want to listen to us and have Mm. a have a mature adult conversation they just want to be stupid and be simplistic mm. and throw things at us. It's like, yeah. oh, we're not helping. Because I think as well, like, there's this narrative of, like, you know, like, what's weird? Like, I've seen Les Mis so many times. <laughs> and every time I go, I'm like, it's weird that I'm watching a musical about death protest. Mm. And I'm like, people are grabbing their furniture and putting it in the streets and, like, burning things. And it's, it's very weird to do that as a Saturday night activity mm. <laughs> i'm aware but then it's also like this thing of like we never see all the small conversations that happen yeah. all the things that are leading and, up to yeah. that and my thing is not and i say this in chapter one hopefully that i never say that craftivism should replace other forms of activism because i still sign petitions i go on marches where they're effective you've got to look at everything holistically and go where do i just need to challenge my friend that says something racist where do I need to challenge a company that needs to change their policy? And you look at what other activist groups and organisations are doing and then you see where you've got influence. Mm. So if you're Theresa May's niece, might be quite useful to put your energy into engaging your auntie. Whereas if you're not um, related to Theresa May, then it might be better to sign the petition and go on the mm. march. So it's looking at everything holistically and going, where am I best placed? And one of the strengths in the process of craft is that you slow down and you can think really clearly about where am I best placed? What's most effective? Where can I be of mm. use? Where can I make sure that my morals thread through everything I do so that mm. actually not only is it a strategic campaign because it's more robust, because mm. it's respectful, but also you calm yourself down so you can think strategically and it works more long term because you're not going to burn yourself out so yeah. there's loads of benefits that makes sense. and the book is all about different elements of where craft is useful but also I think you can tell me whether you disagree um, hopefully it's just as clear about where craft might not be useful mm. and where sometimes because one of my hesitations that yeah. I'm like you know like humour me as the devil's advocate but one of my hesitations is that I'll often I think that I am taught to be apathetic and I like I don't you know I'm taught not to see the big issues that are and it's really mm. hard for me sometimes to be like sustainably angry about something so then I see it's see hard activists. for anyone to be sustainably angry yeah and then I then I see like these activists that are like always angry or like always yeah. on the feminist patrol or like always watching it and like always on and I'm like jealous of that because I'm like I want to be angry all the time because then I'm going to be a better person because I'm going to because as well, like part of the thing is like if you slow down, I'm I'm scared that then I'll I'll slip slip back into apathy. Yeah, you know, and, and it's it that is, danger and it of like is in terms of our own health. Like if you're ang- angry, anger is supposed to be a short term emotion. It's the strongest short term emotion we have, and anger is really good for that. If you see an injustice, we should be angry. We should go, oh, that's wrong. What are we gonna do? But if it's chronic anger, it, it actually makes you physically ill. Mm. You're exhausted, you're stressed out, it's bad for your immune system. Mm. So to chronically be angry, not only is bad for your own health, so you're not an effective activist because you're not sustainable, but it also puts people off. Mm. So I'm an introvert and most of my friends aren't activists. I'm trying to make them all activists <laughs> in a general <laughs> protest kind of way. 
But they're like, oh, what puts me off is how angry these people are. It looks mm. exhausting. It doesn't look fun, and I want to enjoy life. Yeah. So I always talk about how we should be angry about injustice, and it would worry me if we weren't. And I often challenge people to say, why are you not angry about this? But hopefully in a respectful way. But if we act on anger, we go into, you know, our animal instinct is fight or flight. If we act in anger, we either fly away because we're scared that we're going to be killed as an Mm. animal, or we fight because we think that the only way to survive is to fight back. And if you think about how complicated activism is, you've got to think about who's got the power, how do we get them to change their mind, is this a policy we need to change, is this a law we need to change, is this cultural behaviour we need to change, is this behavioural habits we need to change. Activism isn't easy, it's complex, you've got to look at it as a strategy and go what am I trying to do. You can't do that if you're angry because all you want to do is fight back or fly away. So you need something to help you calm down and think clearly. And in terms of the empathy, you know, if angry activism was the most effective thing to do, I'd do it because my passion and priority is to make the world a better place Mm. and to do effective activism so that that makes the world a better place. So if angry stuff worked, I'd do that. But if you look throughout history, it doesn't. It might put a spotlight on an issue to Mm. say, look at how angry these people are. But if we want to change structures and systems... We've got to work with the people we disagree with. Mm. Sometimes it's very rare, but sometimes we do need to topple a dictator. But that is very rare. And often when you do topple a dictator, another dictator comes in quite quickly. Yeah, so because you, it's systemic rather exactly. than like... And you're not engaged in the whole issue of why mm. these dictators were voted in, what the country mm. says. So if you look throughout history, which I'm an activist geek, and I look throughout history and look at what's happening now to say, okay... What can we learn from Martin Luther King, from Gandhi, from, you know, Mandela and Tutu in South Africa? The only way that they they knew that the only way to um, engage with apartheid and be, you know, make sure that everyone could be segregated, could be, it could be, um, people could live together was to actually work with the people that directly oppressed them mm. which imagine how difficult that is for yeah. people that for generations have treated you as inhuman and said that you're less than human and were a better person they knew mm. that the only way to make sure that they lived in a non-violent country and didn't just create civil war was to work with the oppressors and do conflict resolution mm. and I think that's much stronger and more mature than activism that just throws stones at each other and labels each other Mm. so you do need to empathize with your oppressor and go why are they doing it is are they fearful of us do they not realize that we're a cog in their wheel and that they're treating us really badly do they view us in a in a way mm. that they don't realise that we're different? Yeah. Because I think as well, it's like with young people, I'm like, I feel like they're dehumanising us or like they're yeah. not empathising with us. And I'm like, how many of them do I know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like how, how have I presented myself to them as human? Like that's yeah. an interesting Yeah, and I genuinely one. believe that no one is the spawn of Satan. My yeah. default is that we're all complex beings. We've all got flaws. No one is perfect. So to say you're evil and i'm pure mm. it's just bollocks. it's quite like We're it's not. quite like like i don't know it's very um 
medieval kind of yeah hell and, and it's heaven arrogance. Mm. it's i'm better than you i'm mm. gonna tell you what to do and you're gonna change your way because i'm gonna yeah. shout at you enough that you're gonna change your hearts and mind mm. well you're not gonna yeah no one changes their hearts and mind by someone screaming at them even when yeah. your mom says you've done something wrong we're stubborn yeah. and we're like because it's that thing of like I'm, I've said this before but I'm really into self-help books <laughs> like I genuinely think it's an untapped the, the self-help book section is an untapped resource of there's the new too world many. I'm, I'm so, overwhelmed I swear to god they're so so anyway Brené Brown who's, I love Brené oh, and she's all about shame and this thing of like vulnerability most, yeah vulnerability and shame and the, the things that we usually govern our activity on is like fear of shame yeah. actually experience of shame and mm. it's that thing of being like I know better than you. Yeah. You did it wrong. Step down. <laughs> and what's good and with her is she talks about shame as an identity. So you shame someone, but if you say what you've done there was not helpful, that's not shame. That's saying, I'm not sure what you've done there. So if mm. you can say, so all of my craftivism and gentle protest stuff is saying, what you've done is creating this thing. Do you want to live in a world? If you want to live in a world that's beautiful, kind and just, then one, our activism should be beautiful kind and just but so mm. should our actions so yeah. a lot of it is engaging power holders and decision makers saying surely you want to live in a happy healthy world where everyone fulfills their potential and the world is like super lovely mm. and most people go yeah yeah i do yeah i do mm. i agree with you so when you say well actually one of the things you're doing by not paying the living wage is you're putting your staff into poverty into work poverty mm. and then people and then so what you could do is this yeah and you engage them and say wouldn't it be brilliant if you did this rather than saying you're probably doing this on purpose you purposefully have chosen mm. to put people into poverty who have a job and shame on you and this is awful you're saying why don't you be part of this brilliant world that we could be part of yeah. and that's so much more engaging to give an invite and to ask questions rather than tell them what to do and tell mm. them that they're awful people because to shame people and Brené talks about this is it just creates more walls mm. and if 2016 has taught us anything <laughs> it's to that <laughs> we don't want physical or metaphorical walls and that's what a lot of our activism is doing yeah. and it drives me insane because it's it's not effective it's worse than effective mm. it's actually really unhelpful activism yeah what do you think about the word boycott because i think something that i hadn't heard before when i mm. like listened to you like talk and like read parts of your book it's like about um this like was it the company you sewed hankies for mm -hmm. um and you were you were talking about how you wanted to show that you were a customer yeah that you weren't boycotting them yeah. that you wanted them to keep making the, the products that they made yeah and you bought them but you want we, and that's yeah. really interesting because i think a lot of the time i'm like i want to be a better person better stop buying from x y and z and yeah. like they're the things that but my thing is everything's case by case and this mm. is what's annoying about activism it's it's not easy it's case by case so i do boycott certain companies because luckily i can just about afford to for mm. some companies i know some people can't so i often encourage people who can't boycott cheap clothes companies to be a customer and to write a letter to mm. the manager saying as a customer i want you to improve yeah. with this company in the book which is the biggest case study in the book the main thing was that we were working with an amazing organisation called Share Action that do shareholder activism, who for three years had worked with the Living Wage Foundation to target the CEO of one of, if not the most influential retail company in the UK. 
and for three years they wanted they just wanted one meeting with the CEO mm-hmm. to say what do you think about the living wage you could be a living wage employer and they just got a stonewall like we're busy can't speak to you this isn't an issue yeah no they're one like cares. don't bring your hemp in here <laughs> exactly just like <laughs> not got time your namaste shit <laughs> and I got a I've got a little book called A Little Book of Craftivism, which is 64 pages mm. and mostly pictures. And weirdly, the CEO of Share Action got a copy of it. And secretly, she's one of my activist crushes. Mm. I followed her for years online because she was part of London Citizens. So I had a massive girl crush on it. And I got an email saying, we've got five weeks before the AGM. We've tried every traditional activism from placards outside to online petitions to screaming down megaphones media you know all the traditional stuff mm-hmm. and got nowhere and literally she was like your book is so weird that maybe you could come up with something that we haven't thought of <laughs> you're like you're kooky we've got five I, weeks I know you're our exactly. last <laughs> you are last, last chance saloon so my thought was if you can't if you're not getting anywhere with the ceo who's above the ceo the board members they have 14 board members at the agm the agm is recorded and live streamed online not only do you get the staff and the shareholders there which is over 500 shareholders you get media who watch it like a hawk and document it mostly business media mm. that i don't read yeah i don't know about <laughs> you but they're there anyway yeah. So I thought, okay, well, who are, who are the company going to listen to? They're going to listen to their core audience. So I found out, you can find out everything on Google. Mm-hmm. I Googled who are their core audience. It was mostly, if I'm going to be crude, it was white, middle-class women, 30 to 60, that are, you know, loyal customers. So I asked certain craftivists from across the country, so it wasn't London-centric, who I could rely on and say, make a bespoke handkerchief for one board member. And buy a, a handkerchief from the company so it does look like you're either a customer but most of them were customers or at least looked like loyal mm-hmm. customers and google everything about your board member from what colors they were so you know what threads you use to what um who you think they admire looked at linkedin at what jobs they used to have like try and empathize with them put mm-hmm. yourself in their shoes not try and only... build a whole idea of who this person yeah is. so that your gift for them isn't about what you love like when your grandmother grandmother makes a christmas jumper for you and it's totally not for you it's because she's <laughs> like thanks show. mrs weasley yeah still gonna not pay the living wage and, Fuck she, you. and she just wants to show off at her new stitching yeah. or her knitting because it's about you you know yeah you exactly about them. so you want it to be about them so it's not about what colors you like like i don't particularly like pink but i used a little bit of pink for my board member because mm-hmm. she wears lots of quite feminine clothing mm-hmm. quite um elegant in lots of ways and we hand-delivered them. And we immediately created this intimate form of activism where we put them in boxes with ribbons. And throughout the book, I talk about what colours to use that are more hopeful and encouraging and intimate rather than... We don't use red and black because it's very mm. aggressive and us versus them. We use lots of warm yellows, which is a very optimistic, but also an action. I can, it, because it's got an orange in it, it's really weird. Orange is a very active colour. Mm-hmm. Whereas like a pale blue yellow is quite a passive colour. Mm-hmm. So all my yellows are quite orangey. Cool. It's quite subversive like it. without you even realise it's quite subliminal. Mm. But all of these elements to say, we love you as a company and we want you to do better. 
which is much harder to ignore and to not engage with. Whereas if you say you're awful and you should be yeah. doing this, it's so easy. And they are human beings. So we got to have these one-to-one conversations with board members and said, we know your job is really difficult, but don't blow it. Hence the hanky. Use your power for good. One of the things you could do is the living wage, but there are other things. So we mm. never tell people what to do, but we definitely try and steer them. Yeah, see so more like, you're a, a sensible person. <laughs> yeah, and we love your staff. And the fact that they're on a minimum wage and they have to get another job or they're having to go to food banks is really upsetting because we really like your staff. And you're the most influential retailer, so it was a bit massaging their mm. ego. So if you pay the living wage, then all these other companies would... So it was very one to one and you know and it was and it worked and within fourteen months they paid the living wage and the mm. chair of the board and his wife, which is interesting, told me on separate occasions very quietly that without our general protest they wouldn't have engaged with the living wage. The mm. fact that we made them these bespoke gifts with handwritten letters and the gifts had taken hours and we hand wrote letters saying what we were thinking while we were stitching them about how hard it must be to be on a living wage and then struggle still, but Mm. how difficult it must be to be a board member when you've got so much pressure to make profit. We, you know, the whole package was very carefully, lovingly done Mm. that it was in their mind for 14 months. They couldn't ignore it because they kept saying to each other, (laughs) they kept saying to each other, like, where have you put your hanky? And one of them went in the their own museum they have a museum of course they do of course they do where they put things like they put the victoria sponge recipe for their company because it was quite an influential thing so one of the ceos who was i think she's the chief financial officer quietly said to us said to me and the person who made her hanky i put i put my hanky in our archive museum because it's really powerful and we only put stuff in there that shapes what we do. And I think it was her way of saying, like, keep going. Yeah, you're like, like you're, you're, you're on the right track. <laughs> but she couldn't tell us. Yeah. And for us as well, it challenged us to think, yeah, these mm. are not evil people. Lena's yeah. gotta make some money in order for her to be funny. In this kind of world, you gotta give and you take so When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. 
There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So, like, this thing of being in a relationship where, like, we never upscale those kind of bits of advice. So the thing in relationships where it's like, never say, you always do this. Yeah. Or like the problem with your personality is that you're always a person who, you know, like those kind of openings or those kind of not sentence helpful. beginnings. No, and again, it's like, it reminds me of, so when I was at uni, I um, ticked the quiet flat box in my forms. So basically there was a I'm quiet sorry, flat. What? There was a quiet, <laughs> I know. There was a quiet flat and a loud flat yeah. option in our halls and you had to live in halls because we were in the fucking middle yeah, of Wales. Yeah, I ticked the boxes. Yeah. yeah, so I ticked quiet for some reason because I was like, oh, if it's quiet, I can make it louder. But if it's loud, I can't make it quieter. And it's one of those things where I'm an extrovert, but I didn't want to be like one of many extroverts. Yeah, I was like, no I will point. be. So anyway, so I was in this flat and everyone wouldn't talk to me. Like they were so like, I was like, hi, I'm Lena. And they literally like, like ran away so I was like I know what I'll do and I found out all their names and I made them biscuits and their names and then <gasps> left it outside the room nobody ever mentioned it the whole time I was at the flat I was like okay that didn't that oh, went down no, like so but sad. the thing it reminded me of what you're doing because it's this thing of like it's a little bit creepy it's a little bit well so it could it, be seen as manipulative mm, but it was always not manipulative yeah and you can tell quite quickly if people try and manipulate you so it was and that was one of my top but it's that tips thing of for like, the activists people was do not make this manipulative yeah and it's like make sure like like people can see it that way but yeah. really you're, you're putting it's quite vulnerable because you're like so I did vulnerable. a weird thing it's I did Brené. a thing that, it took so me Brené. it took me a lot of time it was like it took a lot of care yeah and and with like protests which are obviously good but like with yeah. that violent activism it's mm. really easy to throw a brick yeah <laughs> and if someone's like you shouldn't have thrown a brick you're like fair play i just yeah. did it on the spur of the moment yeah but premeditative <laughs> yeah like there's something about making biscuits or like do like sewing that's so like you definitely thought about this yeah at one, and if you feel almost like the weird ex-girlfriend that you're like i've, I've made you this pillow yeah but for but the I wall of memories think, but it is that mm. thing of saying i and it's that it comes back to for me when your mum says i'm not angry just disappointed or a loved one and you're like oh my god that's so that's worse mm. because if my mom said shame on you for doing that you awful human being you'd be like well you don't know me you close yeah. off the fact that your loved one is saying i'm not angry i'm disappointed basically says i believe you could be better than you are what are you doing you're better than this i love you you can do brilliant yeah. stuff they're not telling you what to do. They're saying, hang on a minute, what's going on? And it was similar, but in a non-manipulative way for the board members to say, don't blow it, use your power for good. We know your job, your job is really tough. And the fact that we acknowledged that, they all said how um, grateful they were that we acknowledged how difficult their jobs mm. are because they're not told that a lot. But then to say, we know it's a tough job, but I really think you could do a brilliant job even though it's tough. You're actually showing them respect and value and saying, I believe in you, yeah. rather than 
you're so awful I'm going to take all your power away from you and we're going to have like to force you into something to like it, change somebody's mind is yeah. a very long term goal long-term, whereas yeah. like just like just fire them get somebody new is like but that doesn't fix the system I think most of the time it is you know you scream at someone and who you're going to get up the ranks a very similar person mm. And as an activist, I think one of my, I haven't called it in the book, but I talk about it a lot in interviews is we need a humble form of activism. We, mm. as activists, we need to know that we aren't doing this job day to day, which is full on lots of pressure. So as an activist, we need to be humble to realize that's not our job. So I can't tell them what to do and I don't know how difficult it is. But what I can say is you're in a particular position that I'm not in you have the power so how can i encourage you to use that power well mm. rather than try and fight to take yeah, the power yeah you don't want to be them. the person to be but like we're never i change take the power everything yeah yeah and actually one of the things with the company when they became a living wage employer one they're not accredited living wage employer so that's our next campaign but we purposefully well i may i was a bit of a dictator i said to all the craftivists like do not put anywhere we won look at us we won Mm. we've got to say well done to this company isn't it amazing what they've done really proud of them we thought you could do it we believed in you so that they can then be like oh these are nice people and yet it was difficult and being an because that shows manipulation as well doesn't it to be like that was us exactly the same way that would be a really that is activists Mm. because also we have supporters that say well what have you done if you won i get journalists all the time saying what campaigns have you won and i'm like have you read what i do (laughs) like the whole point is to encourage them and we feed in like we fed in so much information to say it makes business sense for you to pay yeah. the wage or the same with companies that are unethical fashion we do a lot around mm. sweatshops we give them loads of information to say here's lots that you might not know of how good it is for companies to be seen as ethical because you make more profit yeah and you're like here's a brand guy yeah, we give them play a marketing stuff. company so to up your do, brand yeah so we do offer them loads of resources yeah. But it's always saying, but we know you have the power, mm. so you make the decision. Yeah. But it's like, it's again, it's, it's like being in an abusive relationship where yeah. you like, oh, say like, you're, like your partner really helps you through your degree and they're like, you can do it. And even when they fail a module, you'll be like, it's okay, we take the year. You get yeah. to graduation day and it's like, yeah, she's only here because of me. Because of me. Yeah. yeah, yeah she's like, I, think that's like, what... I basically did this yeah. degree for her. <laughs> but I think that's what I find really shocking is in every other part of life, we we don't we know not to demonize people we know not to claim wins for mm. people's decisions but in activism it's like we've got free reign like people say well i went on a march or i've done my good deed for the month tick or i had good intentions so it's fine whatever i did it doesn't matter because i just i cared about an issue so i said that theresa may was a whatever because she's awful i've done my activism mm. and we never really critique activism because it's like it's seen as such a big statement anyway and it's seen as a statement but you know i think my book's going to challenge people because it is challenging activism saying Mm. actually if we want to be effective we should be humble yeah if we want to if we want to be part of this beautiful world we want to be part of then we shouldn't be manipulative or demonizing on that note there's a word you use that i'd love you to unpack a bit more clicktivism yeah 
What is that? Explain. What is clickbaitism? For, for our listeners at home. I don't know who coined the term, but Malcolm Gladwell mm. mentioned it a lot. Clicktivism is online petitions. So it's when you do one or two clicks and you've done your action. Mm. So lots of online petitions. You click normally once, sometimes twice, and it's done. So it is click, click, click. Mm. Some people call it slacktivism because you could say it's slacking, you're being a bit lazy. Because, And I used to work for the charity sector, so we would create everything, the whole thing, so that all you had to do was in your email address yeah because you write the letter don't you be like look this is what you write to your MP everything's done and I I definitely used to be a be on the street saying sign this petition it's really important and get as many names as possible because it does make a difference as well Mm. because if you get over 10,000 signatures you get a meeting if you get over 100,000 it's discussed in parliament so there's strategic reasons for doing collectivism my concern with it is because it's so transactional and quick because it's one or two clicks you often forget what you've done or you don't have to engage with it because it's already done for Mm. you and my worry about a lot of activism is it's very they're wrong and i'm fine so i'll sign this petition to get this politician to change Mm. their ways or this company to change their ways but it's so detached because everything's written for me Mm. that i don't have to think about okay where am i part of the problem where could i be part of the solution where's my circle of influence should I, as well as sign this petition on climate change, should I also think about who my energy supplier is, yeah, or where I buy clothes, using. or all of that stuff? Mm. We don't give people time to think deeply. It's very shallow. Yeah. So I still do loads of petitions. I signed your petition recently, <laughs> Thanks. Nina, because there's still, especially for emergency issues, like mm. if a law is just about to be passed. We have to sign petitions. There's a lot of thresholds to pass. So they're just like, we just need fingers on buttons, fingers on buttons. We need an excuse for the media to put a spotlight on things and say Mm. people really care about this. But my concern is we also, and that's why I always say craftivism is part, is one of the tools in the activism toolkit that you pick up sometimes. But with clicktivism, you pick up that tool when you need urgent, quick responses. Mm. But to only do quick firefighting doesn't help you change yeah. hearts and minds doesn't help you engage it reminds more me deeply. Of, of like this whole like okay i'm gonna go to starbucks i'm gonna buy all this stuff but don't worry 10 hell marys and five our fathers yeah, yeah, like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> click 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 okay change.org yeah. is god and for, some, and for some people i've had people be very honest with me and for some people they say you know i do a couple of petitions and i feel like i've done my bit for the month and you think, oh, that's not good because we do need like, to... It's not like personal to... hygiene. It's yeah. like, oh, I'll just wash once a day. Yeah, and, like... and we don't want to flog ourselves and be like, we're all awful. Mm. But to do stuff without thinking is not helpful. Yeah. But also to do stuff like, I've got an iPhone, not particularly ethical. Yeah. You know, there's lots of stuff that I can't be pure on. Mm. But it is about trying to think more intentionally and deeply where you can. Mm. But like I said, I still, like with your campaign... I signed your petition, I'm going to look at the zine, give it to my MP. I don't have much time to do much more, apart from no. share it online. Mm. And my circle of influence is not within mm. education. Mm. So for me, I'm like, okay, but I do have influence with, at the moment, I've got quite a good... We're both critical friends with each other of someone in quite a dirty oil company. I'm like, right, okay, I could do quite a lot of work there where people might not have that relationship mm. with. So I think... With the book, I try and say, you can't do it all, you'll burn out. 
Um, you can't do it all perfectly because no one's perfect. But we do need to think more honestly about where, if we're just doing collectivism, if we're just doing very robotic actions, then we should probably challenge ourselves a bit more. Yeah, in definitely. a in a caring, thoughtful way. Yeah, because I think as well, it's like everyone's got things that bother them. Like for me, the British yeah. Empire thing bothers me. And so many so things. I can't think, I'm like literally just like that's not. It's like an itch. I'm like that's really annoying me. Yeah. I've got enough energy from that itch that can be anger, but it was also yeah. just like irritating. Yeah, <laughs> which irritation lasts a long longer than anger as yeah, well. Yeah, and it does. Fucking pisses me off. So like, I've got enough energy to make a big campaign around it, and all I need from you is like this is the thing and yeah, you're like and cool, some, cool, cool. yeah and what i love is when activists are honest to say at the moment all i need is loads of names on mm. a petition so i can get people to spot it and i can yeah. have these meetings but after i have the meetings i need to do some like i have i i've helped some companies and politicians make lots of change now i can't say in public what i've yeah, done again that's the because thing. it ruins trust with them and it it just is not respectful to do because they've had to do the hard work i've just helped them along with it so it is looking holistically about what you can do Mm. and the last thing in the book that i was really even though i was over the word count in lots of ways i was like i want my little well-making clinic in the back which says really simple things like if you're feeling complete despair about the world which i do on a regular basis like i'm not a perfect activist yeah i'm always despairing or i'm burning out which is probably why i think i'm a good person to write it because i'm talking about slow activism whereas i want to rush all the time yeah i think it's quite good but one of the things is read positive news magazine in the bath or on your day off to remind you of how there's so many amazing things happening in the world yeah poverty has halved in the last 15 years the really mi- the millennium development goals some of them just were hit their target over the goal posts they just have done so well so we shouldn't just focus on the bad in the world mm. and in terms of psychology if we just focus on the bad our brains don't know what to do yeah whereas if you focus on a goal your brain brain figures out how to get there yeah so there's loads of stuff in the book about making sure that you mm. focus on the positive that you do things lovingly yeah. You do it in a beautiful way that's joyful without it being disrespectful mm. yeah. to the people directly affected. Mm. Yeah. Makes sense. The, the reason sometimes I struggle to identify with the activist community, mm. even though I have tattoos and a nose ring, this kind of idea of being a conscious vegan, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, um, sometimes culture appropriating <laughs> kind of <laughs> yoga doing, um, uh, protester it sometimes comes from this quite like an area of like privilege mm-hmm, or yeah. ignorance and while it's like very well-meaning sometimes it's hard to get on board with because you're like it, it becomes a culture in itself and it becomes like a, an in-group or, or an it crowd yeah um, and sometimes I feel that way how do you feel about like you know like the fact that you're not from London you're mm-hmm. from Liverpool mm-hmm. and how does like class intersect with activism for you yeah, I mean, that's the other thing with activism. Like, through your Lindor. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. While I'm like, all good activism all discussions. Chocolate. You can't have any guys, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, have this, this is ASMR. This is why my book was a little bit long before I got an editor, because it mm. is so complicated, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I grew up in a very low income area in Liverpool in the 80s under a Thatcher government and a very corrupt council. My mum and dad aren't from Everton, where I grew up. Because it's still, sadly, the fourth most deprived ward in the UK. So very, like, high unemployment. 
lots of issues there. So I grew up in an area and you know, my dad was not on a big wage at all. So I remember my mum scrimping and saving and being very creative with how we survived really. Mm-hmm. So when people say, Oh, all you have to do is buy kale from the local Whole Foods. Well, we had You're a, like what am kale? Yeah, like <laughs> we can't like, afford that. And we grew up where there wasn't literally the local super, local supermarket was a quick save where mm. you don't get fresh fruit and veg, and most people, nearly everyone, didn't drive. So to say, buy a bag of spuds or buy a pack a packet of smash, which is the mm. you know the instant mash, instant Love mash a bit stuff. Of smash. People would pick Smash because it was easier to carry, you're walking far, you've normally got your kids with you. So it makes sense logically mm-hmm. to not carry a big bag of potatoes that might go off. So I, in some ways I'm lucky that I grew up in quite a tough area where you've got to think about money a lot and logistics of that and just surviving on the bread line. So I'm very sensitive, not oversensitive I think, because I think you do need to be emotionally intelligent about where people have power and where they don't so i think we've got to be really clear on some people can afford kale and that's brilliant and can afford to be um super organic and not buy from certain shops and only buy independent Mm -hmm. and never buy from big chain stores that are much cheaper some people can't so throughout the book i talk about look at where your circle of influence is so if you can only afford to buy in very cheap um clothes shops that are quite unethical in lots of ways then you have the power as a customer to Mm. go up buy your pair of pajamas for your grandkids or whatever and say Mm. i can only afford to buy here but as a grandparent i really care about how you're treating your garment workers Mm. can you please ask your manager what you're doing to tackle this issue because i want to know as a customer and you've actually got quite a lot of power as a customer Mm. whereas me at the moment i could afford not to buy from a very cheap Mm. store so i could then boycott it Mm. so i never say don't boycott or only boycott everything's case by case and looking at where your circle of influence is Mm. so i think that's and that's why it's a bit rambly because there isn't no right or wrong answer it's saying this is messy but like you said if you think intentionally and carefully about what can I do to be more part of the solution than the problem? Mm. And actually you can, my mum became a local politician because she knew that she could have power there. Whereas actually in terms of her money, she didn't have a lot of power because she didn't yeah. have a lot of money. Yeah, <laughs> but maybe if she did, then she could be a board member. And exactly. Then, so it is looking times, at, but... and, and privilege in different ways. I feel now in retrospect, highly privileged that I grew up in an area where people were directly affected by the cuts happening in the UK by discrimination mm. from other people from different postcodes. So I'm lucky that I can understand where lots of, like I'm from an area where it was very white working class. So when people came from Iraq with the Iraq war, there was loads of tension because people had never met anyone from outside of mm. our area because it was very insular. Mm. So I totally understand how people were fearful of each other. People didn't really understand how people were coming in leather jackets and mobile phones when they said that they were refugees, but people couldn't from our area couldn't afford leather jackets and mobile phones. Mm. So I'm very lucky that I can see that that wasn't about racism. Mm. That was about misunderstanding and fear of each other yeah. and feeling labelled by each other. So it, I think it's looking at your situation going, where have I actually got a lot of knowledge where other people don't? And where 
where might I have lots of influence yeah. that other people don't? If where that can makes you shed sense. Some, yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Because I think a lot of the time, like, the people who who don't like activists, mm. which is, like, a lot of people, like, it's, I it's don't. Sucks, I'm, it's scared, like, I'm scared <laughs> of activists, even though I identify as one. I'm There's definitely, like, activists. Regina George activists. Mm. But, like, in, but that's the same. Like, in any sector, there's always people who are, like are trying to set a standard that yeah. isn't necessary <laughs> or like isn't universal yeah and like trying to make it very like clean and dirty mm. but also um, i challenge it as well and say is it helpful for us to label ourselves as activists or non-activists because mm. actually so i read a lot of reports as the geek that i am mm -hmm. even though i don't work in the charity sector anymore but i still do consultancy for them but a lot of my friends that work there i'm like send me that report that your charity just commissioned <laughs> and it'll oh be about how who you know what platforms do power holders listen to what influences mm. them and to say you're an activist actually weakens your impact so with the handkerchief and the living wage retailer company we specifically targeted people that didn't look like activists that looked like their core audience because if we just had activists the company could go, oh, well, they, act, they do activism for everything. Mm. Whereas actually, in one of the chapters in the book, I talk about don't have any logos for a charity. Go in and mm. say, I'm just a concerned yeah. citizen. Because if you identify as someone directly affected, sadly and rightly or wrongly, if you're directly affected, lots of politicians go, well, of course you care about it because it's about you. If they have someone that is not affected, they start thinking that oh shit more than the people directly affected mm. care about this issue so maybe lots of people care so maybe my voters care yeah and maybe the readers of my local paper care so i should probably listen mm. so there's a lot in there about where's your power and your power might be in an issue that you have no affiliation with that could be where your power lies yes because you're like look this actually doesn't have anything to do but with i me, really but care i'm gonna be <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's it's bad enough. It's, again, like it's making me think about like, how I react to to like charity on the street. Because again, yeah. like I hate those NSPCC people. I bloody hate, and I hate them. Because <laughs> you don't hate them. You just like what true. they might be like, doing. I, 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 I have failed to empathise. Yeah, but like again, my my initial reaction as somebody walking like as part of my day. You're then, busy. You're busy. For them to stop me and be like, I want to like one of them drew drew a circle on my part palm of my hand and was like press the button and i was like oh no what's the button he was like if you press this button all children will be saved oh and no. i was like i just no i'm like i can't believe you drew on me but also did you say like, have you got a messiah mm. complex there yeah, that's, that's, like, that's just not nuance guys. solidarity but yeah but, but there is something solidarity. in like and and again this is probably an issue with me because i know that people need to be paid for what they do but like me knowing that he was paid to like stop me on the street and yeah. effectively harass me and be like hey darling do you want to go i'm like oh no i react much more positively to one of my friends being like oh i should start giving to this charity because yeah. Issue was really pissing me off, and it's only five pounds a month, and I don't want to be a dick about it. Yeah, but yeah. I have given five pounds because I'm like, and I started doing that about paying for the Guardian because I'm like, oh, I don't want to be one of those Guardian dicks. I pay for but, them, yeah, yeah, because I'm just like, I'm just, a member yeah. with my card. Oh my god, they give you a card, it's so I exciting, know. and they give you a cartoon as well. Yeah. But like, I started doing that, and then like bashfully being like, oh, by the way, I pay for that, like yeah. not being like a dick, but just being like. But the more we can bring in social change into everyday life mm. and not as a, I'm going to stand on a soapbox and say, mm. you're wrong and I'm right. But the more we can just slip it into conversation. 
the more it just becomes part of our lifestyle mm. so now the moment like there's a whole thing about plastic straws isn't there mm. and the more we can be like oh yeah i'm choosing not to use straws even though i love straws or i'm going to use this bamboo straw and it's just like yeah. no or big like, deal oh, i was reading this weird thing about straws <laughs> can yeah. you believe it so the more you can be like this isn't a big deal i'm just changing my habit actually yeah. the more people are more likely to go oh that's interesting maybe I'll look into it then someone like you screaming down going you need to change this way so yeah. so much of I got one chapter on intrigue and activism where you just plant little seeds yeah, like, like shop that. dropping or little mini banners so you're not asking for a response you're leaving it yeah. for the viewer or the passerby to figure out because the shop do. drop you like you write stuff on pieces of paper and then leave it in the pockets of like paper, clothes darling it's okay. like oh yeah it's like with, with pur- purple rib- ribbon or something or purple turquoise or maroon so it's luxury with little embossed scissors yeah so the touch so there's a thing about if you use more than one sense you more likely to remember it mm-hmm. so you're using touch and sight so often you smell and things as well. Mm. But yeah, you shop, you leave little mini scrolls that you've done in your prettiest handwriting and you drop them in unethical shop pockets for people to find. And then because the person who's found it has to interact with it. So it says on it, please open me or lowercase with a smiley face and a kiss. You, as someone who's found it, decides whether you are going to open it or not. And if yeah. you decide to open it, you've got more of an open mind because you want to know what's in it. Whereas if you're screamed at with a giant banner saying, do this now, you have no choice over it. So the fact that you're opening a little ribbon and then the message inside, you're like, this is a little spoken word artist, poetry woman. <laughs> it's quite poetic about where your clothes are made for joy or pain and how you could find out and wouldn't that be really interesting. And then it has at Fash Rev at the bottom, which yeah, fashion revolution. fashion revolution. So without telling people, you're just hinting that they can find more information mm-hmm. there. Because the other thing with a lot of activism is sometimes people with the with good inta- intentions will tell people about a really shocking fact and raise awareness of this fact, mm. but not tell people where they could go for more information. So you actually disempower people rather than empower them to know what to do. Mm. So it's a constant balance between provoking but not preaching, not telling people what to do, but giving them enough information to find out for themselves Mm. and take ownership of it. So that's why it's gentle protest. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting to me. And befriending me. It wasn't too (laughs) rambly. No, it was perfect. Because I think it's always like, I always like meet people and they take me on one step further because I was like okay, thinking good. about these things and then I like, met you and I was like oh that is like the next logical conclusion I'm sure I would have well, come to at some point but, but like the yeah. thing is I do think it's logical and I think mm. people read and it'll go that makes sense I'm not giving you like you're not going to get an epiphany I don't think sadly as much as I I'd think, like I to think claim epiph- epiphanies I, I don't know how many epiphanies I've really had in my life <laughs> they're but, all slow yeah. burns for me I have yeah, to, but I, I it takes me a long is, time to learn <laughs> and it is all my learning over the years going here's some case studies here's some principles and then some of it's transferable outside of craft some of it's like this craft could be really good like I learned to craft from YouTube so mm. if I can do it anyone can yeah because you, you don't add to it you say that like you don't really have to be into craft to be a craft of it no and, like I, a... and one of my things is if you love craft you could shoehorn your love of craft into activism which actually isn't helpful mm. so maybe if, you need that as a safe space as like a 
yeah or see it as my love of craft i'm going to do there but where it's useful i'll do it here so Mm -hmm. so it's a good challenge for both people who love craft and don't i think it's just as useful for both of them and i'm not just saying that sell my book (laughs) my book is for everyone (laughs) (laughs) and i hate when people say that yeah, but, but seriously, it's good. I got good quotes from different people, haven't I? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think um, like activism is kind of like just an obvious part of being human. It doesn't need to well, be like this. So. Like, well, here's the jocks, and here's like here's the here's the artsy kids, yeah. and like there's the activists yeah. over there. No, I think we should like, all have elements, but we should also mm. not just see ourselves as activists. Yeah, because it could dilute our impact. Yeah, you're only an activist when you're doing the action. The rest of the time, you're yeah, just, just Sarah, com- or just Selena. We're just complex beings. <laughs> Don't box us into anything. You can buy How to Be a Craftivist, The Art of Gentle Protest right now. Please do. I'm not being paid for this. I just bloody love the book. I will leave all of Sarah's links below, as well as all of Hell's links below, who wrote our amazing jingles. Do come and follow me on Twitter and tell me what you thought of the episode. At Lena Norms. Share it if you liked it. The internet is a big place and it's hard to keep track of everything. So I also have an I'm not being funny, but newsletter where you can get instant updates whenever a new episode goes up. So if you want to join that, I will leave that in the links below. There's a lot in the, there's a lot in the description is what I'm saying. Thank you so much for listening. It is time for me to log off and bog off. If there's questions you pretend you know are all too scared to ask, then listen, mate, you're in the right place because Lena's got your Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.